Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hey, special hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. We are going to be having a two-part conversation with Justin Mason. He does a great job of looking at baseball from a little bit more of a daily fantasy perspective. He does great work with Fangraphs. He's a writer and podcaster for them. He works for about like 50 different organizations. He wears a lot of hats and does so very well. And he's also going to be doing something over the weekend that is going to be helping out some charity that I will let him share about at the end as well. So we're going to have a great conversation there. I think it's... It is so important to just look at how this layoff is going to be affecting these various players and these various pitchers because I've been of the belief that these teams with good starting pitchers, they would probably have a little bit of a leg up because as we know, in a little bit of a condensed season, perhaps you can throw out there your starter for a little bit longer. You don't need to tax them with as many starts. Let's say that you would have like a 200 inning limit on a starter. Well, if he's only going to be starting, let's say 20 games at a 100 game season rather than 32 games, you throw him out there a little bit more, you can use them in a variety of different ways. Well, what we are finding out right now, and it's just so critical to be able to take a look at these little things, is that these starting pitchers, how are they right now ramping up for the season? They're playing catch with like their sons. Some of them might be three years old. Some of them might be more around 10 to 11, but are you going to be throwing like a 90 plus mile per hour fastball to your not even teenage son? 
probably not. And we also heard it from our good buddy Matt Pauly. He does pre and post game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. A lot of these guys are trying to stay in shape by throwing into a tarp. Who does this favor a little bit more? A guy that he only needs to give you an inning, maybe sometimes two innings. He's going to be out there for like 30 pitches max. Or a guy that is trying to give you five plus innings. He's going to be throwing 90 plus pitches. You've got to think that it's a little bit more of these short burst guys and these guys that are able to do the little things right now. Because as we know, our ability to be able to work out, have all these nice facilities, that is out compromised. So a lot of these Major League Baseball pitchers, not all of them, but a lot of them have at their disposal just very primitive ways of being able to stay in shape. Like I was talking about being able to throw into a tarp, being able to play catch with a wife, a son, things like that. You just don't necessarily have a lot. Meanwhile, for these hitters, you don't necessarily have like live pitching. You're not able to get live batting practice. You're not able to go out there and you're not able to hit as many balls as you would during the regular season. But at the very least, you could have like that little hit away thing that you buy at Dick Sporting Goods. It's obviously not the same thing, but at the same time, you've got that. I know that some of these batters, they do actually have batting cages in their homes. Now, obviously, once again, not all of them, but a few of them do. And we saw what Joe Kelly was trying to do to ramp up for the season as well. He winds up breaking a window, working on his changeup. You don't have quite as much of that if you're hitting in a batting cage, if you're hitting on the hitaway, something like that. So, I do think that that is something interesting to take a look at. And we actually did get a little bit of tangible baseball news with regards to something that actually happened with the baseball team, which, thank goodness gracious, the Boston Red Sox have been punished for their little bit of a cheating scandal. Obviously, their scandal was nowhere near what the Houston Astros was. The only main, I guess you could call it, constant in both of those is that Alex Cora was involved with both of them. He was involved in the 2017 Astros scandal and the 2018 Boston Red Sox scandal. I think the biggest takeaway with this regard is the fact that he wound up not getting any further damage done to him because he is going to be suspended for the 2020 season for his involvement with the Houston Astros scandal. He was not given anything more. And because of the way that these suspensions are worded, all the people with the Houston Astros, they are going to get a zero game suspension if we do not have a 2020 season. For those of you guys that don't want to see cheating in Major League Baseball, even more incentive to pray for a 2020 baseball season, which I'm sure that all of us were praying for a 2020 season to begin with, but that is just a little bit more fuel to the fire. We know that there was a, I think it was like a replay slash video coordinator that wound up getting the axe from the Boston Red Sox as a result of this and the Boston Red Sox, they wind up losing a second round draft pick. That is all that was done to them. Now, the involvement of Alex Cora can be questioned but the one thing that does remain I guess you could call it steady is the fact that he is now involved in two major cheating scandals and he might not serve a single game and the way that things are structured, it is entirely possible that he might wind up back with the Boston Red Sox in 2021. I think all of us that love baseball would not like to see that to say the least because you wind up having a guy that cheats the game if you wind up having no 2020 season, guy winds up getting off scot-free. So we are going to hope that that is not the case, but we are trying to get a bunch of different viewpoints with just the awkwardness of the season in general. As we know, baseball, it is a money line sport, so this isn't one of these things where we're going to be taking a look at spreads and everything like that. We've taken a look at the futures odds, but those futures odds might become obsolete if you wind up having realignment. So it's just one of these circumstances in which you're doing as much hunting, gathering, and news watching as humanly possible at this point. It's why we've gotten on a bunch of guys from a betting standpoint, guys like David Behrman of ESPN Chalk, 
Gil Alexander of the Vegas Ads and Information Network, those that cover the players a little bit more, like Jessica Kleinschmidt, and now we're getting on guys that they just know the stats and the sabermetrics of baseball, like a Justin Mason. He looks at this from a player-by-player standpoint because he's a little bit more of a daily fantasy player, and I think that it's just so important to look at this baseball season as a little bit of a blank canvas, try to get as many viewpoints as possible, because I think that the more viewpoints that you're able to get, the better you're able to get something that resembles the middle of so many of these extremes, which I think you should be doing in general. In this day and age of not just media, but sports, it feels like players are now the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. You're either the goat or you're a billy goat, and there's not a whole lot of in-between. When in reality, so much of this is in-between, and by being able to get those different viewpoints, you are able to strike that good balance, which is why I've been approaching things the way that I have on this podcast, so hopefully you guys are enjoying it. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, fire that into my timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Always happy to address anything that you guys have from a betting standpoint, a baseball standpoint, what have you, because these are very uncertain, unprecedented times. I want to give you guys the information that you guys want, and hopefully I'm doing a good job of that, and I'm very excited to have on Justin Mason, a guy that does a lot of daily fantasy, a guy that does absolutely outstanding work for Fangrass, and a guy that's going to be giving back to charity this weekend. We're going to have a two-part conversation as to just the nuts and bolts of this season, who this layoff hurts, who this layoff helps, and some of the teams that we think are going to do well slash poorly during the 2020 season. That chat for Two parts of this podcast is coming up on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here in Lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to have on our next guest. This man does a little bit of everything. He provides some insight for fantasy benefits. You could also catch him as a part of the Fangraphs Network. He does some writing, some podcasting for them. He's a part of RotoWare. The list goes on and on. You name it, he does it. He's a five-tool baseball analyst, and you can follow my Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB, as it is Justin Mason joining me right here on the podcast. And Justin, great to have you on today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on. And I know that you and Paul Spore, a guy that has joined the Vegas Sites and Information Network quite a bit, recently came out a day or two ago with the Sleeper and Bus episode of your podcast as well. And what have you guys been looking at with some of these guys that might have a little bit of a leg up or might be at a little bit of a disadvantage come the 2020 season? Because I think it is so fascinating. We're seeing guys like Joe Kelly throwing against a tarp. And in the case of Joe Kelly, he's right now breaking windows while working on his changeup. But with that said, the way that a lot of these guys are having to stay in shape, it is very strange. I think that it might be as difficult to handicap this season as ever before, just with all the optics behind it. I think you absolutely nailed it right there. I don't think anybody knows what to expect. This is a situation unlike any other we've ever had in baseball, because at least when there have been strikes, you knew guys could like be working out in you know, a best of their ability or desire, at least. Some guys aren't able to do that. It depends on their financial circumstances, depends on where they're being quarantined, We have no idea who's working out, who's not. This is the weirdest situation, I think, in the history of baseball. We have no idea how rosters are going to be formatted, if and when there will be baseball. This is a complete nightmare. And so one of the things Paul and I have been doing is not digging too deep into every rumor, 
because every few days we're going to hear a new one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This is certainly one of these things where we heard the Arizona plan, then we heard the spring training plan with Arizona and Florida. We saw a couple days ago, according to CBS, they're looking to add Texas into that two-tier pot and make it three tiers. How they would split it up, whether it be 10, 10, 10, 12, 10, and 8, or what have you, is right now anyone's guess. We might have the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. We might have the National League and the American League. And we might just have Martians trying to hit home runs at some point as well. As we do have Justin Mason joining me right here on the podcast. So certainly a very unique circumstance. But one thing that I've been starting to come around on, and this is a little bit different from when this began, because I thought that if we would have a season in July at first, I thought this really favors these teams that they've got these, I guess you could call them a little bit of front-loaded rotations. These teams like the Washington Nationals, where you're able to rely upon Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Anibal Sanchez, have these great starters because you don't have as many starts, which means that you can have them go a little bit longer. But as I'm noticing how these guys are trying to stay in shape and how these guys are preparing, they pretty much, a lot of them have these same tools that you and I do. They're able to take jogs outdoors in which they're doing social distancing. They're able to do push-ups. They're able to do sit-ups. And they're able to like throw into a tarp in like their basement. And I think that the guys that are hit the hardest are these starting pitchers that they're expected to go out there for like 90-plus pitches. They're expected to give it their all on a pitch-by-pitch basis. And I think that these are the teams that it actually hurts the most. I'm looking at teams like the Brewers and the Tampa Bay Rays, which you've obviously got quite a few bullpen arms, but these guys don't need to go as deep into games as having a little bit of a leg up as a result because I think that the hardest thing that's going to happen once we do get baseball back into our lives is these starting pitchers being able to stretch themselves back out and being able to go these five-plus innings. Well, and I think bullpens are going to be really, really important because if we're playing a lot of doubleheaders to make up games, you're not going to be able to throw guys in one game and then throw them into the next game that same day. And so having depth inside of the bullpens and also having like advanced minor leaguers. So guys who are close to the majors, who are good players. If we have expanded rosters, those guys are going to be up. Those guys are going to make a difference. And I think NL teams are going to get a huge benefit here because they're teams like the Reds, for instance, that kind of had a roster crunch coming into the season. But if they get the DH that roster crunch becomes a lot less of an issue for them and they can start playing guys like Jesse Winker every day. Guys like Nick Senzel won't be on the bench in a short side platoon. So I think these are the kind of things that obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but that you kind of kind of take into account when making bets or playing fantasy. I think that that's a very good point that you bring up. And I know that a lot of my guests on this podcast have brought up the Cincinnati Reds as a little bit of a sleeper. And I feel like they've had two tremendous off seasons. And what I like about the Reds is that they're balanced because you bring up those names of the young guys like a Senzel. He certainly is going to be a player, but you also bring in a Nick Cassianos in the offseason, Mike Moustakis. These guys are absolutely tremendous as well. And I think we both agree. Typically in a baseball season, the pitchers are out in front of the hitters a little bit. We see this every single year. The hitting typically, it picks up after about a month or two. I think we might see the exact opposite for what I brought up a little bit earlier, just because you're running through so many bullpen arms. Now, obviously, you can't simulate live ball pitching when you're at home, but you can have things like the hit away. All you need is a pull and 
like that device that costs like $100 at Dick's Sporting Goods or something like that, and boom, you're able to, at the very least, get in some swings. Meanwhile, with these pitchers, you're trying to play catch with like your 12-year-old son. You're not going to be throwing like 95-year-old fastballs to your 12-year-old son unless, if well, there's other things going on which we don't want to know about. <laughs> Oh, I think that's a really good point, because if you thought that the juice ball situation was going to be maybe going away this season, you might as well throw that out the window, because not only have we no idea what kind of ball they're going to be playing with, though in spring training that we did see was any indication, it did look like the ball was a little less lively. You're going to be playing in a lot of spring training parks and in a lot of heat in Texas or Florida or Arizona. The batters are going to go yard a whole lot more than we would have expected to him coming this season. So I think that you're right. I think we're going to see one of the most lively seasons in recent memory. And that's saying something considering the last three years. I'm right there with you. I am praying that we do not get the juice ball back. The ball that we had in spring training, it wasn't quite the ball that we saw in the postseason, but at the same time, it certainly wasn't the abomination that we saw in 2019 in which guys were busting out of the box because they thought that they were going to try to hustle for a double. Instead, the ball winds up going over the fence. That was just something that we've never seen before. And you mentioned it as well. With regards to a lot of these rumors that we're hearing in baseball, it's going to be in a lot of these parks that are more in the southern part of the country. The temperatures when it comes to July and August, they're up there in the hundreds. You've got places like Florida, Arizona. Now they're bringing in Texas into the fold. And I do think that the actual venue that the game is going to be played at is going to warrant a lot of how you bet these totals, how you set your lineup for daily fantasy, just because if you wind up playing a game in Tropicana Field, for example, because if you use these three hubs, you're probably going to have a couple games out there at the Trop, try to utilize as many Major League ball fields as possible. The ball's not going to be flying out there as much as like a spring training venue in Arizona where you're out there, it's 100 plus degrees, you're able to crank a ball out. If you get all of it in Arizona versus in the Trop, you've got a much more likely possibility of being able to get a home run, in my opinion. So I think that that's an element that needs to be taken into account more than ever. Oh, for sure. I, I think you're going to see, especially if you're playing a lot of games in Arizona, those ballparks are not big. I've seen them personally. I was down there in the fall for the Arizona Fall League this year. So you're going to see a lot of offense. You'll also see a lot of pitchers getting pulled earlier than maybe we would expect them to from starting pitching because it'll be so hot in some of those stadiums. Now, obviously, dome stadiums are going to be different. If they're playing at the new Rangers Stadium, if they're playing at Chase Field, playing at Tropicana, or playing in the Marlins Park, you know that'll be a different story because those are temperature-controlled. But there's only so many temperature-controlled buildings in these areas, and most of these Arizona facilities are outside. If you're playing in 110-degree heat, do you really want your starter going seven innings? I think that that's a very good point that you bring up as well, as we do have Justin Mason joining me right here on the podcast. And something that I've really been going back and forth about with what we've had this offseason in general as well is who does this benefit more? Maybe a younger guy that he's not used to having a full offseason because, as we know, these Guys that have been in the league for a very long time, some of these guys are superstitious, they're creatures of habit. I think that in a strange way, this actually might help some of these younger teams a little bit because they're less used to the routine. Throwing off the spring training, which we know that there's probably going to be a ramp up for spring training when we do get a season back into our lives, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, what have you, we are going to have that second ramp up. I think that these younger guys might be a little bit 
more able to acclimate to it. And I think that this is a good time to leave off from part one and then start up part two on the other side. Talk about just which teams this might benefit a little bit more than others. Take a look at some of these rosters that they might not be able to hold up quite as well as many people might think during the 2020 season with regards to the optics of what's going on right now. And some of the younger teams that myself and Justin expect to have a big 2020 season. All that and more coming up on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Craig Peterson. Pleased to be rejoined by our guest, Justin Mason. Does absolutely terrific work out there with fan graphs and so many other things. And you're going to hear towards the end of this interview that he's doing some very good work for charity as well this weekend. And you can follow him on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. And on the other side, we were talking about how this layoff might actually help out younger players rather than older players. And I do think that this goes back to these older guys having their set routines. They know exactly how to get themselves ramped up. Well, we are in just a completely different circumstance this year, and I do think that it is going to be very fascinating to see how these guys try to get all ramped up for the season, because as we know, we are going to be getting that second spring training. This is just like if you're trying to do weights, weightlifting, anything like that, the whole body confusion thing, I think that a younger guy might be a little bit more versatile in being able to roll with the punches this year. I think younger guys definitely have a small advantage, but I think hitters in general are going to have a larger advantage. I mean, we've heard it from Major League Baseball players for years now that the pitchers are the ones who need spring training. Hitters come in, they've been hitting all offseason. They're pretty much rip ready and go. They might need a week of spring training, and then the rest is just doing batting practice and giving pitchers a chance to kind of stretch out and get acclimated. Uh, and so I think hitting is going to be rampant where I think pitching is going to be the thing that people or that teams really struggle with. So obviously teams with loaded uh, rotations, like you mentioned, the Nationals, uh, the Astros are another good example. Even the aforementioned Cincinnati Reds who have that Sonny Gray, Castillo, Trevor Bauer, Descafani, Wade Miley rotation. That's a really good rotation. Team like the Dodgers. Like, I think they just have such a huge advantage having the pitching guys you know you can rely upon in that you know, should be able to hit the gates pretty hard no matter what the situation. But hitters, those are the guys who are getting the real advantage here. I agree with you as Justin Mason is joining me right here on the podcast. And I think another team that is worth taking a look at for the 2020 season is the Chicago White Sox because I mentioned I think that younger teams might have a little bit of a leg up Textbook example, the Chicago White Sox. Now they do bring in a veteran arm that I think is really going to be able to help them out in Dallas Keuchel. And Dallas Keuchel is a guy that can actually relate more to these circumstances than I would say just about anyone else. Because we remember his time with Atlanta last year. He didn't wind up pitching for the team until the summer. He had a little bit of a ramp up period and then boom, he was starting for the Braves in a pennant chase. So I do think that he's a guy that is malleable. He's able to roll with the punches. And then I think what else is big for the Chicago White Sox is that they weren't expecting to have Carlos Rodon at the beginning of the season. He, when he is on, we saw him during the 2018 season. He actually had some very good performances. Problem with him has been health. You figured that he wasn't going to be set to go at the beginning of the season, but you got to think that if the baseball season happens, I would say at this point, we're probably not going to get it until the middle of June. I'm sort of thinking early July at this point that Rodon is going to be able to go from day one. You don't necessarily need to have him out there giving you like 
100 plus pitches on a nightly basis because what else the White Sox have are a bunch of sub middle relievers that came through last year like an Aaron Bummer. So I think that they've got sort of the best of both worlds with that regard. I agree with you. I think the White Sox really benefit from this a lot. Like you said, they're a younger team, but Carlos Rodon isn't the guy that I think benefits the most out of that rotation. It's Michael Kopech. Kopech was supposed to be ready near opening day while Rodon was going to be ready sometime in mid to late June. Kopech's their number one prospect. He, you know, looked good in the one outing he did have in spring training. I mean, he throws fire. The back end of this rotation isn't that impressive. I mean, you've got Gio Gonzalez and Ronaldo Lopez. I mean, are they really stopping either Rodon or Kopech from coming in? I don't think they are. I think Lopez is destined to be a reliever, and Gio Gonzalez is a nice little journeyman pitcher, but his contract's not stopping either of those guys if they're pitching well. But they're definitely a team to watch because that AL Central is poachable for sure. I am right there with you because we know with the biggest benefits of the juice ball as well. That would be the Minnesota Twins. They were cranking balls out left and right. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable for the 2020 season. I don't know what your thoughts are about the Minnesota Twins, but it felt like that pitching rotation, it really waned towards the end of the year. Now, I know that they brought in a couple of reinforcements, bringing Kenta Maeda as big, and they brought in some relief pitching at the deadline last year, but I do not want to be having my chips in Sergio Romo if you have a two-run lead in the ninth inning. Let me tell you that much. Yeah, the bullpen is a bit iffy. I do love Trevor May, and Taylor Rogers was lights out last year, but like I said, do you really want to trust the 37-year-old Sergio Romo? The rotation, though, the rotation is very interesting. Homer Bailey was very productive last year. Kent Maeda just has never been given a chance because of his contract to kind of have a full set of innings. Now, with the shortened season, there's no reason for the Twins to shut him down or move him to the bullpen. If you're playing in, like, season-long fantasy, he jumps up, like, you know, 10, 20 spots from where he would have been on the Dodgers. I think Jose Barrios is an ace in the making. People forget, like, this was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, and he's only going to be 26 this year. That's nothing. Dude still has plenty of room to grow. Jake Odorizzi was very good last year. I think the Twins are one of my favorite teams to kind of watch this year. There's obviously going to be some regression in that offense, but that offense is stacked. When you've got Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton hitting 8-9 for you because the rest of your offense is stacked, you know you got a pretty good team. And with Jose Barrios, what I really like from him in the 2019 season is that he was better on the road. We both know this. Jose Barrios, before the 2019 season, he was a guy that you could always trust in Minnesota. He's a guy that you couldn't trust on the road. Those splits were much better last year. As we do, have Justin Mason joining me right here on the podcast. And Justin, I know that we've went through some of the offseason signings that we've seen in baseball. And I feel like a lot of these went under the radar because a lot of people, they were putting a lot of emphasis on guys like Garrett Cole going to New York, Anthony Rendon heading to the West Coast. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Those are big moves, but I feel like there are a couple teams, like we talked about with the Cincinnati Reds, that have done some good things as well. I also look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Avisail Garcia is a guy that was pretty solid with the Tampa Bay Rays. He was able to belt out 20 home runs. I feel like people just remember him because he had a little bit of a flame-out 2018 season after being spectacular in 2017. Brock Holt getting him for right around like two, two and a half million dollars. That is a complete fleecing right there. I don't know how he signed for that little and why the boss Red Sox wouldn't retain him. But with that said, I think that that's big for the Milwaukee Brewers. And like I was talking about earlier, the Milwaukee Brewers, 
They're not going to have that one guy that's going to go out there. He's going to give you like seven plus innings, but they just got a bunch of good bullpen arms. And I think that in a condensed season, a guy like a Josh Hader or a Kirby Yates of the San Diego Padres, that is going to be one of the biggest weapons in baseball. Just having that reliever that you could trust upon in the ninth inning. Yeah, the Brewers are a really interesting team, especially in a shortened season. If they get the DH as well in the National League or those National League teams get the DH because then you don't have to worry about platooning guys like Justin Smoke and Eric Sogard and Ryan Braun. You get that extra bat in the lineup. They become much more interesting. And like you said, the starting pitching. That starting pitching is pretty atrocious after Brandon Woodruff and Adrian Hauser. But Lindblom looked pretty interesting and pretty good in his spring training outings. He looked a lot nastier than I expected him to. Brett Anderson is somewhat ageless. And you got to think this is a team that's going to make a move. Like they're probably nearing the end of, oh, well, maybe not the end of their window, but the window has been open for a little while. And I don't, I think they want to take a shot at getting to world series and in a shortened season, anything can happen. We could see a team like Toronto make a push and bring up a guy like Nate Pearson, just because who knows if you start off hot, there's maybe not enough time left in the season. If we're only playing 80 or hundred games for teams to catch you. So I fully expect if there is a trade deadline, if there is a trade market, that the Brewers are a huge part of that. And I love the fact that you brought up the Toronto Blue Jays as well. I know that my good buddy over there at the Vegas Sets and Information Network, Gil Alexander, very high on them. And he fits a lot of the, and this team fits a lot of the criteria that I was laying out a little bit earlier. You've got a bunch of young blue chip prospects, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Dante Bichette. These guys had some very good stretches towards the end of the 2019 season. You sign Hunchin Ryu, and we both know this with the Toronto Blue Jays. The biggest thing was is that their pitching just wasn't necessarily there, but you do have some interesting prospects as well. You've got a guy like a Wagas Pack who, if he's able to put it together and he's able to be an above average starter with all the firepower that the Blue Jays have in their lineup, look out below because this is a team that's able to do something and they've got some solid relief pitching. You could say what you want about Ken Giles, but I have a lot more faith in him than I would in a lot of these other relievers that you see around Major League Baseball because it feels like with regards to relief pitching in Major League Baseball, all you're asking for is to not completely blow the game. And I have faith that Ken Giles is able to not completely blow the game. Oh, I love Ken Giles. One of my favorite picks this year in season-long fantasy. So you're going to get no argument from me there. I think that rotation is kind of sneaky good, especially from a real-life perspective as opposed to a fantasy perspective. I think fantasy, we're always looking for like kind of the flash and the substance. And this is a bunch of 30-something-year-old guys that aren't that flashy. But if we are playing in neutral stadiums in the South, then Hunjin Ryu doesn't have to worry about playing in Rogers Stadium. He doesn't have to worry about the turf there. And I think those are some of the concerns that people have with him leaving the Dodgers and going to the Blue Jays. That's a big plus for him. You know, Chase Anderson and Matt Shoemaker, they're very solid pitchers. Tanner Roark, same way. And I think there's some upside on Trent Thornton. Like you said, there's some arms in the minor leagues. Nate Pearson is probably the most exciting arm in all of the minors right now. And if they do expanded rosters, there has been talk of 40-man rosters, just putting the entire 40-man roster up at the majors. Like, Nate Pearson's going to be up. And this is a kid who could like take off from day one. So it's a very, very interesting team, especially with how loaded that young offense is. I am right there with you. Even Wilmer Fott, we know that the opener is becoming a little bit more in baseball. He was actually one of the best openers in all of baseball as well. And I love the fact that you brought up Matt Shoemaker. Shoemaker, before getting hurt in 2019, that was a small sample size. It was five starts, but... 
he looked absolutely tremendous as well. So I am right there in lockstep with you. And Justin, I know that you're taking a look at all the ins and outs of what is going to be just a random 2020 season if we wind up getting one. I know that you're preparing as if we're going to get a baseball season at some point. I am doing the same. I know that you do great work with Fangrass and so many other sites. So let the good people at home know just what you're doing in general and how they can get a little bit more of your work. Well, you can catch all of my rantings and stuff over on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. I work at Fangraphs, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, and then I run TGFBI, uh, which you can check out at TGFBI.com. And then this Sunday, if you're around uh, and you got nothing to do, I'm doing a 12-hour live stream with over 90 guests from inside of the fantasy baseball industry. I'll be streaming that. You can catch it over on Fangraphs or on Twitter at my Twitter account or even on my YouTube account. It's going to be a lot of fun raising money for Meals on Wheels, which is a great charity doing a lot of really good work during these dark times. So if you're interested in donating to that, you can PayPal me at justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com. And for every dollar donated, you get a raffle ticket for prizes we're going to be giving away all day long during that live stream. That is absolutely tremendous. I love that you're doing that. And obviously, there are a lot of people are hurting right now, so that'll benefit a whole bunch of folks out there. And Justin is doing a great job of just helping you guys be able to keep up with your daily fantasy or betting, all that stuff. As I think that it's not a matter of if we get a baseball season, it's a matter of when. And Justin is doing a great job of staying on top of everything. So big thanks to Justin Mason for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune And if you ever have a question for the podcast, fire that in by timeline, 18 41. Going to be coming at you guys three times a week until the baseball season restarts. And then once we get baseball daily, I come at you guys daily. Catch you guys once again next week. Thank you so much. <laughs>